following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. I'm his dad, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so since this is the shopping season, I figured it's a good time to talk about uh, the, some of the ethics and legalities of shopping, um, specifically online. So there's a, there's, a, there's a few issues we're going to discuss, but mainly I'm going to start with a specific issue called showrooming. Um, we're going to talk, try to get to price mistakes, things like that online, which happens often. Is anyone, is anyone here a member of Dan's Deals? If you do, I suggest strongly subscribe. It's a, it's a, it's a guy, some Jewish oh, the guy. airline tickets? Yeah, he gets deals, unbelievable deals on everything. He'll, he catches any price mistake that's posted online. Like a few years, I don't know if you remember, like uh, two years ago, El Al had a, was a ticket to Israel for $269 mm -hmm. round trip. And this guy sends it out. So if you're on his list, you get texts. Any price mistake online. What's his name? It's called dansdeals.com. You just go, you sign up. You can get emails or texts. Hey, I don't know. No. How does he make money? He, there's advertising on the site. Mm. Plus, sometimes he gets a cut from the deals. He's uh, an amazing guy. He does this yeah, full time. He actually yeah. gives seminars on how to, you know, get free airline tickets. He flies all over the world. Anyway, in either case, so, so he had the question is when you have a price mistake, that's another issue which we're going to discuss. Are you allowed to uh, take advantage of that, knowing it's a price mistake, which actually happens quite often more than you think. Price mistake. You hear? Price is what? A price, a price mistake. Continental did that one time. Yeah, they had that also. Question: They have to honor it, but no, they did. They paid one with uh, Korean or something. So yeah, that happens quite often. Um, my daughter just got a one of those uh, smart listings that tells you how many times you're breathing per second and how many times you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. She got it for for nine bucks for that was a hundred twenty dollar item. So you you have to know if you're on this site, it's, it's a your deals, but in any case, so, so there's something called showrooming, which is a, it's literally, I took it from Wikipedia here, the translation is, the meaning of showrooming, it's a new term, is the practice of examining merchandise in a traditional brick and mortar retail store, and then buying it online at a lower price. So meaning you know you're going to get it at Amazon, you saw it, you got your right price, you're ready to buy this uh, laptop, but you want to go check it out first, you want to go to Best Buy just to see it try it out to, to test it. So you know when you walk into Best Buy that you're not going to buy this laptop. Um, you're buying it online, you know, there's a, there's a deal going on, whatever the case is. So that's called showrooming, okay, which happens very often, I believe some of us can admit to doing that once in a while. So online stores offer lower prices than their brick and mortar counterparts because they do not have the same overhead costs, that's obvious. So just the prevalence I found online in 2000, 2012, Comscore study found 35% of U.S. consumers reported showrooming, and of those, half were between ages of 35 and 34 years old. 2013 survey polled 750 U.S. consumers, 73% of whom reported having showroomed in the previous six months. So is anyone admitting to that here? There's nothing illegal about it. Yeah. you done that? You go into a store and just checking the goods out. Checking the goods yeah. when you know you're going to get it, you're buying it somewhere else. Yeah, I'm sure everybody does That's that. That's not cool. Everybody does that. You said it's not illegal. It's not illegal. Yeah. Does it only so do it, it, does it matter with the intent? Like if I go to the store and I look online and see it. There's about 10 people attending. Some of those people are doing it. All right, so what do you ask, David? I didn't hear you. Does intent matter? Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. So we'll see. Intent, what do you mean by intent? Like I went in the Best Buy and I saw the speaker system and I didn't buy it, but I went, okay, I saw two ninety nine. And then I'm like, you know what? Got, then I go home. Then I started saying I didn't know I wanted it until I was in there. And then I go home oh, and then yeah, I right. do so it. That, I, we'll talk about it. Yeah, that, that's called shopping. <laughs> that's, that's okay. <laughs> so you're allowed to shop around for, cheap, for the cheapest price. No problem. The issue is when you go into the store, it's going to talk about knowing full well you're not going to buy the item because you're getting it online. That's when it comes an issue. Or you're buying it on your smartphone from Best Buy, you know, because meaning you knew that, you would, that was your plan. Well, now they prevent. I know TVs prevent against that now because they the style they show sell at Best Buy is not the same style they sell to Amazon. It might be the exact same TV, but the style they give it a different. Right. Sometimes you know. they'll do that. Right. So yeah. So we'll talk. We'll talk about that. So just the effects on retailers. So I was reading about this. 
the showrooming can be costly to retailers, not only in terms of the loss of the sale, but also due to damage caused to stores, floor samples of a product, because people are constantly coming in just to try out the, the laptop or whatever it is um, before buying it online. So floor samples of product through constant examination from consumers. Showrooming was said to be behind the collapse of UK photography chain Jessup's and Target's decision to discontinue carrying the Amazon Kindle. Um, Kindle. Kindle. Oh, the Kindle. Yeah. Some major retailers, such as Target, are attempting to battle showrooming by selling products exclusive to their stores. That's what we just mentioned. So they they get with the manufacturer, and they this product is only available. You know, there could be something that's sold somewhere else, but it's a different model. So let's say it's an HP uh, printer, but this one is only sold at Walmart, only sold at Target. You can't get it online. So they get ex exclusivity. Yeah, on the product because it's only because of this issue of showrooming that's happening. It's very prevalent. Walmart is allowing customers to avoid the shipping charges of online purchases by picking up the items in the store. Many stores do that now. Home Depot does that. You just you can buy it online for the online price and then pick it up in the store. So the same practice is expanding to European countries. Some specialty fashion stores in the U.S. and Australia have introduced a fitting fee for browsing, which is refunded in full if the customer makes a purchase. So you want to come to the store, we charge you for wow. for a fee for trying out the product. Make the purchase, you're not sure. Wouldn't that scare people to come to your store? <laughs> well, so Best Buy, I don't know, it's a, a good point. Best Buy is guaranteed to match the online price of goods listed on Amazon.com. April 2013 announced it would begin to lease out space to manufacturers such as Samsung so customers can view working product products and then Did purchase them at the MSRP. Ellie, you signed in? No. Okay, so, so what, what's you. the matter? This is called, in the United States, we call this capitalism. Okay, we, we call this capitalism. What's the problem with this? Why should there be any problem? So, according to the Torah, so again, legally, technically, there is not a problem. But according to the Torah, as we're going to see, the Torah has a problem with this. Um, even though online shopping did not exist when the Torah was, was written. But as we'll see, there's an issue here. So the issue is like this. There's two verses in Leviticus, um, in Parashat Kedoshim, which say like this. The first one, and we discussed, we touched upon these in the past, I believe, um, maybe. So the first verse says like this. It says, V'chitimkru mimkar la'amitecha, the bottom of the first letter, when you make a sale to a purchase to your friend, um, or you're purchasing something from your friend, do not, you shall not fraud or wrong um, your friend. Okay, well, meaning the buyer or the seller. So this is interpreted, obviously he's not talking about stealing, real fraud, because, um, what do you need, Ellie? Napkin. Napkin, the man needs a napkin. Um, so, uh, so the point is like this, obviously stealing, the Torah doesn't have to tell you stealing is prohibited. That's, that's not one of the Ten Commandments, even though people think it is. This is just aside, as an aside, the ten, one of the Ten Commandments that says thou shalt not steal is actually referring to kidnapping. So that's uh, it's nothing to do with stealing. Stealing humans, um, but there is prohibition mentioned more than one time in the Torah of stealing. So the here, obviously, the Torah is not coming to tell you don't fraud your fellow. What it means specifically, the Talmud understands it, interprets this first verse to mean, and we're not going to get into this. I believe we discussed it in the past. Is you cannot um, charge someone um, over the going value of the item more than six percent over the going rate for the item. And you can't make profit over six percent profit over the going rate. It means if someone unsuspecting comes into your store and there's, let's say, it's gold, it's whatever gold is per ounce. Uh, I don't know whatever it is these days. Um, Silver is which one? I don't know what, it, what what the gold rate is, but whatever it is, you can't charge more than six percent of the regular value of gold. Okay, six percent over the going rate of profit. You know, after you. Okay, so that's that's what it means in this case, wronging your friend. And the same thing when you buy something. If you're a customer, you go to a garage sale, you know this, this guy's selling coins, old coins, and you know this coin is worth you know, thousands of dollars and he's selling it to you for two bucks, so that's a problem. You need to say something. You can't just buy it unbeknownst of the seller. Why, it works both friend? ways. The guy's not your friend. It is. A friend means a fellow Jew. Right. So that only applies to So if it's not a Jew, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Right, technically speaking. So it okay. depends where you live. Um, Okay, so so uh, that's a separate issue. We're not gonna. That's not the verse I want to dwell on. But that's a separate thing. It's called ona, ona, which means you can't charge again more than the sixth. You can't, as a seller, charge more than a sixth of the going value 
um, unbeknownst to the customer. Listen, if the customer wants to pay more, they know it's, you're charging more, that's fine. But the point is, if there's a going rate for this item, and it's, a, it's irrelevant in most cases, because most things don't have set value, except, as we know, you know, gold, silver, you know, some futures, but most things don't really have a set value. Okay, so, but if something has a set value, you cannot charge or sell, undersell, more than the going value, okay? Meaning buy, if you're a customer. The next verse, two verses later, three verses later, in verse 17 in the same parsha, it says like this, it says, um, it says, Pesach Ernie, he's, he's waiting so patiently. Alan, Ernie's waiting so patiently. Yeah, I had some food. Okay. Okay, so, um, we went vegetarian. You and Gelman? We have a so we don't allow vegetarians oh in the class. We don't allow vegetarians in the class. Um, have milk with his coffee. That's uh, the problem. There's no about coffee made, but bar. Okay, so so uh, so the verse, so the second verse says like this. It says verse 17 on top of the page here. It says you shall not wrong one man his fellow, and you shall not f and you shall fear your guard, for I am the Lord your God. Okay, so what is this question? Is why does it repeat it a few few verses later? Why does it repeat the similar language of uh, you shall not wrong your fellow? So the Talmud understands the second verse is not talking about um, actually monetarily wronging someone. Again, the first verse is talking about monetarily wronging someone. The second verse is talking about verbally wronging someone. And we'll see what that means. Okay? So it says, the, the Talmud understands the second verse is referring to verbal, verbal abuse. Okay? We'll see, what, we'll see what that means. Okay, so the Talmud, if you look at number one here, the, the words for that is what's called onas dvarim. Okay, words which cause someone anguish. That's, so that's prohibited. It's a biblical prohibition. It's one of the 613 commandments. There's, there's a nas mamon. That means you can't wrong someone monetarily, even if it's not stealing per se, like we said, let's say ripping someone off, charging them major profit. And then there's something called wronging them verbally. So what's, what is, what's the example, what would be an example of wronging someone verbally? So the Mishnah, number one here, um, says like this. It says, just as there's wronging one in buying and selling, meaning, again, monetarily, so there's there is wrong with one, one, sorry, it should be wronging one with words. What does that mean? One should not say to someone, how much is that item, quote unquote, if he does not want to buy it. Okay, so, so the Mishnah here, in, in the Talmud is saying very clearly, if you have no plans on buying something, you can't walk into the store and ask the owner how much it is. If you just, you know, let's say you're a competition, you're down the block and you want to know how much the item costs. Or, I mean, we'll talk about some industries, this is standard practice in real estate. How many times this is standard practice? You call and you find out what the, what the price is in the area because you want to know how much you can sell your home for or, or business, right? So that we'll, we'll get to that if that's the norm in the industry. But the point is, in general, walking into, let's say, a regular store, brick and mortar store, where you know you're not going to buy it and you're just asking the price, knowing you have no plans of buying that item, says the Mishnah, that's a violation of this verse of verbally wronging someone. Onaz dvar. Okay, give some other examples. Okay, it says like this. Um, if someone is a Balchuva, or um, right, someone who did a sin in the past, okay, they committed adultery 10 years ago, now they repented, they're happily married. So you're not supposed to remind them of their past. You can't, you know, every time you want to rip the guy, oh, remember that story. When the, you had an affair, it was in the papers, right? So that's prohibited also, because you're, one second, because you're wronging them. You're causing anguish with your words, okay? So it says, once you not say them, remember your past deeds. You got that? Okay, and the third example says the same too if one is a is a uh, is a ger, that means if they're converted to Judaism. Um, someone's descent from proselytes, one should not say to them, remember the deeds of your forefathers. Remember your grandfather, he was Christian, he was a nice Catholic boy. You're not supposed to say that to someone. Okay, three examples that Talmud gives of what's called a Nazdvar. You had a question? Now this going in and asking a price of something store owner will, you know, host to make a sale and you're, you know, you're disappointing him. Mm -hmm. But suppose you go into a store that's not a store owner, it's an employee who works on his salary. Does it really make a difference whether you make a sale or not? Make the same salary. Not on commission. It, yeah, it's not working on commission. Is that better? Is that okay? So when you get there, we'll talk about that. It's a good point. That's a very good point, meaning it's, it's not the owner, just an employee. We'll get there. Again, so the Mishnah seems to be saying very clearly, fascinating thing, um, that, that it, the first example is what's relevant to us, that it's prohibited to say to someone, 
um, to walk into a store if you do have no intention of buying the item and asking the price. Okay, we'll get to why it's prohibited. Okay, um, and then another the Talmud there you know elaborates on this. If you look at number two, it says if donkey drivers. So by the way, the other two things are by the way important too. I mean, like we said, if someone if you know someone had a past history in their life, um, you know you don't go up to them and say, "I oh, remember the story. Remember when you married?" You know. Alan, it's important, you know, if someone goes up and remember your ex, your this, like, what, what you did in, in your college days. So that's not a good thing. Yeah. Do you Depends what you did in your college days. Some of the past are pretty good memories. You may want to go back there. Right, but, so I'm saying it depends what you did in your college days, but, but the point is you don't remind people um, of their past misdeeds. You should, it's not a good thing. Yeah. You got a problem with that. Yeah. Unless they didn't repent. Listen, if they're still doing, we're not talking about if they're doing the thing, they're still perpetrating the, you know, that, doing that sin, then of course you're supposed to say some, supposed to protest, as we discussed here in the past. But we're talking about if they, they repented, they did shiva, now they're in a different place in life, you're not supposed to bring up their past misdeeds. So, in learning about Yom Kippur and the levels of forgiveness, I read somewhere that you're not really the ultimate level of forgiveness is to be faced with the same sin you did before and have the opportunity to not do the sin. Right. So why don't you be in bringing up the opportunity or the? No, you're not bringing up the opportunity. That means like this: what the Rambam describes is a very important point. David's bringing up um, is that uh, that you know, as the Rambam says, let's say you the guy had a you know some hanky panky with his with his secretary. Okay, so 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 then, meaning the point is then when he's 95. Now that was when he was 40, 40 years old. And when he's 90, you know, he's, he does tshuva and he says, "Look, everything's great." Right. So the Rambam says that's not a real tshuva because when you're 90, of course it's easy not to not to commit that sin again. Right. It's, it's when you got to do the tshuva when you're at the same stage in life where you have the same urges, and then, you know, then you show, you're in that same situation, you, you're able to pass the test. You wait till you're 90, yeah, that's, that's when easy. I be, when I be given, if someone commits this right. sin, the hanky-panky with the secretary when they're 50, and I go and I find the secretary and I bring him back when he's 52, I'm like, hey, I know you were apologetic, but what I brought you? <laughs> I, I've given him the opportunity uh, to turn not around. A good thing. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> Probably. He was just trying to do a mitzvah. I was doing the, 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 the Okay, so so the, the Talmud elaborates on it. It goes like, it says like this. It says, if a donkey driver is in search of work or seeking grain, you should not say to them, again, this is also relevant in a, in a business, you know, you say, uh, someone comes to you for a certain product and you send them to your competitor. You know it doesn't carry that product either. This guy's making you crazy. So you go, okay, go call him. I think he carries his product. Okay, but you just want to make your competitor crazy or make the guy crazy. So he says, that's also, the Talmud says, that's also prohibited. When he knows, you know, you can't send someone, you know, so-and-so sells grain when you know this person has no grain. Yehuda says, a person should not even eye merchandise. Listen to this, how, how strict it is. A person should not even eye merchandise when he doesn't have the money to buy it. Okay, if you, if you again, you can't afford an item, you're walking in, you just, you know, you know this is, uh, many times you'll have this, uh, car dealers do this, right? They want you to come test, test drive their car. So many of them, like a Maserati, they'll, they'll tell you on the forum, you have to, Make at least five hundred thousand dollars, you know, annual income. But some of them, they won't say that. So let's say it's not a right. So because they, they don't want you to come to test drive the car, it's because you want to try to drive the Maserati. So if you have no, you can't afford this item, and you go and test drive the Maserati, that's a problem. Oh, man, they didn't let me drive the car. What? Huh? You went? They, they turned me away. They just lost the sale. Who? Corvette. Because your income wasn't high enough. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't let any miles. Because your wife called them ahead of time. Oh, my wife's pushing me to get a sports car. My wife wants me to get a fancier car. And you know, my wife's opposite on the car stuff. Yeah, they, they turned me away. What? And my son with me. They won't let anyone drive, test drive. They cleaned to me. They didn't want to put any miles on the car. I'm like, you just lost a set. We go buy a car somewhere else. So I could have wired you the money while I'm in your place, but you lost a set. They don't ever turn me away. <laughs> turn me away. Right, so it's I don't so find a car give anymore. Give more. So when I go to, so if I'm going to go test drive, uh, you know, Maserati, so I have no intention of buying it. It's like you're saying, just I want to try out a Corvette. So that's a problem. Again, the Gemara is saying, person, you know, you can't buy the merchandise if you have no plans of buying it. For the matter, for the matter, it depends on a person's intent. Oh, so now the question is, so interesting side point here. Um, just as a parenthetical statement. So the question is, in the second verse, if you go back up to 17, why does it say, the end of the verse says, and you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. What does fearing God have to do? So the first verse, it doesn't mention that. Why specifically here does it say you shall fear God when it comes to this verse? 
this is a nice principle to know that whenever the Torah, um, the Torah, whenever there's a, a a sin, a violation that is dependent on, on your intent, and this is relevant to David's question before. You know, we don't really know your intent. But if I walk into a dealership and test driving a car, no one knows if I can afford the the, the, the uh, uh, car salesman doesn't know that I can afford the car I can what my intent is it's all in your heart you're the only one who knows so whenever you have a violation like that in the Torah the Torah always always adds on these words um, you shall fear your God because God knows what's in your heart you might not know what's in your heart you might sorry you know what's in your heart no one else might know what's in your heart you don't know your, you, meaning everyone else doesn't know your intent but you know so the Torah always adds that on don't well, think no one knows you're checking it out? Sir? Yeah, okay. If you're checking it out, of course you're allowed to check it out. If you're not sure, you, you might, maybe you want to buy it. Maybe. No, you believe you shouldn't, but you're not sure. You know, once you learn you know, your options. That's fine. That's fine. It's, we're saying, if I know for sure, I'm not. I, I just want to try, like, I want to drive a Corvette for, for an hour or so. Okay? That's so that's why... Window shopping. Yeah, you can't go no, to a whorehouse unless you want to get You're one. not going in. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, not me. We're on tape. It's the same, same thing. Now, I guess it is the world's oldest profession. You know, if you're yeah, older, it depends on your depends on your depends on your age. I guess you go in there when you're 80. You couldn't have really a 10. We're just shopping. Okay. Look at the menu. Yeah. Okay. That's not. We're talking about online. Online shop. Well, and, uh, yeah, I think there is there an online thing last year. Online scam. How much are you? Alan, every time you do this, I gotta edit the tape. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Extra 20 minutes of work for you. This is appropriate for what you're discussing this time. <laughs> it's funny. So, no, the point is like this. So, again, the, so this is a parenthetical statement, which is that the, it's a principle that the Gemara is pointing out here. Um, says in number two, it says, For that matter depends on a person's intent, and concerning any matter that depends on a person's intent, it is stated, You shall fear God. So that's a nice principle to know whenever you read the Torah and you see it mentions this, the Yoreta Melokacha, you shall fear God. It's because something that's only in your heart. So you're the only one, who, you and God are the only one who will know whether what your intent is. Okay? Now what's interesting, the Talmud goes on to say that this, this concept here of wronging someone with words, causing anguish with words, is actually worse than the original case of monetary fraud. It's even worse than that. Why is that? Says the Talmud gives three opinions as to why it's worse. Um, look at number three here. First statement says, Yochanan said in the name of Shimon ben Yechai, verbal wronging is a greater sin than monetary wronging. Why? Since this one states you shall fear God, as we just mentioned, the first verse doesn't say anything about fearing God. This one says you shall, and the monetary wronging does not state this. Okay? That's number one. B, second reason is, Rabbi Lazar says, verbal, verbal wronging affects the victim's self, while monetary wronging only affects the person's money. Right? So meaning, okay, so you stole money, so you hurt him with his money, hurt him in his wallet. But when you hurt someone verbally, you know, you cause them anguish, so that's much more. That's their self was offended, was affected, not just their wallet. So hurting someone, a person, is obviously worse than hurting their money. That's number two. Hey, a lot of times money is personal. That's true. Is this, would this fall under Lush and Har? No, it's, it's still something different. You're not, we're not, we're not talking about speaking bad. I'm saying you, you said something to their face, like, oh, you know, remember what you did in college in front of his wife. That's, that's a... So you can't talk behind their back or to their face. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay, see, um, Shmuel Bar Nachman, it says, with monetary wronging, restitution is possible. With verbal wronging, um, restitution is not possible. It means, you know, if I stole money from you, okay, I can pay it back. There's always restitution. If I hurt someone if I, emotionally, so there's no, you can't fix that. There's no restitution. Yeah. This might be more. So you can't say to someone's face, you did this, this, and this, right? You can if they're still, if they never repented, then you're supposed to say something. So in a no, trial, once they for did tshuva, instance, you would be okay. Once they that. did tshuva, then you, that's what we're saying. If someone did tshuva, then you're not supposed to bring up their past deeds. So if someone confesses to something? Well, it has to be tshuva, because tshuva means they're, they're contrite about it, they ask for forgiveness, they feel bad of what, they, of what, they, of what they've done. It doesn't just mean they confess. Confession is not enough. That's one part of tshuva, is confession. But you need the right. There's three parts. What if you had a... Um, not the way, but I'll speak. Uh, if you had a case that set a precedent for something, can you call the witness from the previous case? He's guilty, whatever, he settled up, but I need him to, and I'm going to have to call him on what he did here. I don't understand what he's saying. He's saying it's a monetary issue? tried for the same crime yeah, but, twice. But you want to use it to maybe set a precedent. 
in a different case. I think yeah. you're able to, able to use kind of the precedent set. Okay. Tell the judge today, I want you to see what this other court, how they analyzed and what the outcome was for sure. Okay. What do you mean? Uh, I was just making sure you weren't bringing up that person's deeds again. Like, hey, you're. No, listen, if it's a trial, it's a monetary it's a issue. Judge, yeah, I mean, of course you can't. I mean, if it's a money issue, he still owes money or. He's, he has to pay for his crimes. That's something else. Okay. We're to get him off. He's dangerous. We need to get him off the street. That's something else. We're talking about in general, casual conversation in shul. You know, you meet a guy and you say, you know, "Remember what you did uh, ten years ago? Remember that story? Were you, you know, whatever the case was?" So that's that's the issue. That's what we're saying. Does it matter if you intend the cause of harm? What if you just bring it casually? You're like, "Oh, I didn't realize you were." Well, and then you're an idiot. <laughs> but I'm saying, yeah, I mean, you can't. You have to be careful what you say. So now, what's the reasons um, for for outlawing this? I mean, what's the problem? Why is why going back to the going into Best Buy, the original question of showrooming, and knowing you're not gonna you're you're not gonna buy this item, okay? So knowing you're not you're gonna buy this item online, uh, we're saying technically you can't go in and try it out on Best Buy. Now, someone mentioned you can mention something to them. That's possible. Um, I once uh, I once had a story. I was uh, on a date. Embarrassed um, to say this. Did I say the story here? Tell over my date stories. You want to turn that off? So, no, so, oh. so uh, <laughs> I don't know where she lives now. She doesn't live in Utah. Um, but uh, so I was, uh, you know, Orthodox dating is not easy. There's not much you could do on Orthodox date. Right, so uh, very limited. So um, so I would take one of my things was I would actually go to IKEA. So you know that nothing's point. The point of the date is what? Yeah. Point of the date is you want to get to know the person. In Orthodox day, it's for get. It's you know it's tough. It's for tough. It's when they get to know the person if they're compatible in marriage. It's the only purpose, right? <laughs> so uh, so you need to get to know the woman's taste and furniture. You want to see if you're compatible. Yeah, that's a good line. So. Uh, Josh took the girl to Ikea. So I, so I took this girl to Ikea once. You know, it's also they have a cheap cafe there. And uh, so she was very from very religious girl, so she tells me, it's prohibited. Now, listen, listen to the story. So the girl tells me, walk into Ikea. We walk into Ikea, and she says, you know, it's a problem, halachically. She knew this halacha, I didn't know it at the time. She says, you know, you know how to go in. Yeah. And she says, uh, you know, you know, to go in just for a date because you know, if you don't plan on buying anything, it's a problem. Talmud says prohibited. So I dropped her on the spot. That was the end of the relationship. I was so pissed at her. So I went over to uh, to an employee and I said, uh, you know, we, listen, we're just here on a date. What's the cheapest thing you have? We don't, we don't plan on buying anything. I went over to an associate. I said, we don't plan on buying anything because it's okay if we sit on the couches. You know, we just want to sit here and. Crazy. <laughs> the guy said, "Fine." So, so she said, "Okay." That was my my story, anyway. But the point is, so so. That's interesting. <laughs> which part? That's one of the more interesting things. <laughs> 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 the point is, I'm saying in practice. Yeah, more like stories like this. This is like getting good. <laughs> okay, so it says. So listen to the reason. So what's the problem? Why, why the the commentaries on the Talmud discuss what the issue is here? So it says like this. Number number one. It says, uh, it says, by standing next to an item, this is the Rashbam, who's the grandson of Rashi, he comments like this, he says, the reason is, you stand next to an item, you discourage other potential buyers. So if you, I don't know if this has happened to me, if you've ever been in Best Buy, you know, it's, there's a sale or something, so everyone's crowding around, not just on Black Friday, even on a regular, everyone's crowding around one item, so the point is, if you're just there, not even, not no intent to buy the item, so it might, you know, scare other people away. Whatever the case is, you're looking at the item, you take it out of the display case, so you can discourage other people, people like other people's opinion. They're all looking at it. They're looking at something. Yeah, try but say, say Yeah. Oh yeah, that could be. Could be. Um, Chafetz Chaim, by the way, says that it's really not not a law. He understands it's, it's not prohibited in the literal sense. He says it's just a it's not a proper thing to do. Meaning it's not ethical because he understands. If you look back, the Gemara said, I mentioned before. Um, Rabbi Yehuda's opinion was a person shouldn't buy the merchandise when he doesn't have the money to buy. So he understands it's only it's only prohibited to do this if you actually don't have money. If there's a chance that you might buy it, you just you don't think, you know, you're not sure that you're you're just coming to check it out. So he says in that case there's no prohibition. And the prohibition specifically if I can't afford to buy it. That's where he that's where he understands the command. Otherwise it's just a nice ethical concept. But he says it's not prohibited to actually do it. That's the Chavetz Chaim. Um, the other issue is something we discussed there in the past, which is what's called Geneva Das. Geneva Das means conveying a false impression to someone. 
So, for example, we, we discussed here in the past, let's say I, I, you know, I want to score some points, so I invite David, I know he's leaving to town next week, I know you're going to Thailand next week on a business trip, but, you know, as I heard from so I heard from your dad, so I invite you for Friday night dinner, but I really don't want to have you, but I just want to score some points, because I know you're going out of town, so I say, oh, you want to come by Friday dinner next, you know, for Shabbat dinner? Thank you very much, I'm busy. Right, but you're busy. So I knew that before. So that's prohibited. Even though I'm not, because that's I'm conveying, really? I'm conveying a false impression. I'm conveying a false impression to David that I really like him when I don't. Another person. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why, would, why would that be personal? No, but you <laughs> really didn't want to have this company for dinner, but this would be a good deed of pretending to care. That's yes, and that's the problem. Pretending, conveying a false impression to someone that you really care about, and when you don't, that you really want to have for dinner. How do you stay married? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> already got it. Can't put this up anymore. He's not even edited. Just so the 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 so you understand? So that's called, it's called, you understand that case? Hi. How are you? Come have some lunch. I'm out. I'm out. So I want to see. What's your last name? Wolby? No. Oh. Roseman. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> come sit down. I got some good chicken. No, no. I got to go. I got some schmutzes coming in. I'm going to come in next time. Okay. They gave me a few said less, I gotta read hey, it now. Tell us when you want to have it. We'll have one just for you. We'll, we'll make it that day. You tell him when he's available. Okay. Very good. Okay. Get me up out of here. Hey, I'm not like that, huh? You ought to hear the Where's Steve? Yeah, he's going to be. Okay, either you eat or you leave. You I'm leaving. Stay. You okay. can be Jewish <laughs> today, okay? <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. You too. Thank you. So, uh. One second. Start asking something. Anyway, listen, David, do you hear the case? What is it? Attorney. Attorney. If you, uh. So the point is like this conveying a false impression to someone is prohibited. It's called, known as Ginevatan. It means you literally the words mean you're stealing someone's mind. Only to another Jewish person, right? Um, no, it's not simple. No, even no, it's explicitly not. We For example, that's a great example. The Talmud's classical case is that let's say I have a butcher shop and a non Jew comes and he wants kosher meat. So I know, listen, to him it doesn't make a difference. To him it doesn't make a difference. Right, kosher or non-kosher. If it's a Jew, I can't fraud him. But the, the non-Jew, why? So I'll give him the non-kosher meat. What's the difference? So it says, you know, that's even though there's no monetary. Let's say, assuming it's the same price, okay. So there's no monetary loss. But the fact that I'm conveying this false impression that this meat is kosher. He says I like, you know, holy meat that the rabbi blessed. Okay, so he wants to buy kosher meat. You're not allowed to sell non-kosher meat. So how do you know okay? he's not sure? Let's say no, he's not Jewish. So we have a check practice this, in our check business. This what about shopping a competitor? We go all the time to our customers, are look at what competitors are doing in their store. I mean, we may buy it, we may not, but our intention is no, to... No, so you're going to a retail store or you're calling the competitor? You have retail store. Call. We're going to the retail store and we're going through the store, we're looking at okay, so products and we're saying we want to do those products. No, so I'm saying, so again, the question would be there, assuming if you're going to a big retailer, that's why I'm not sure this is so relevant today where it's the, no, the, the, the retailers understand people come in and just the shop. The problem. the problem is when we buy the sample to emulate it then you and then return it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, we'll talk about that. Exactly. That's yeah. a major problem. Yeah. That's, that's a different good problem. business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so no, so I'm saying the point is let's so say you walk into JCPenney because you want to check out the product. Right. When you, because you needed to know what's on the market. But so JCPenney, the first of all, like Alan mentioned for this Alan Winters, a lot of Allens here, that, uh, that meaning associates don't care, meaning in a big retail retailer like that, it's not really going to make a difference. You know, they understand, people come in, they look at items, it's, it, it, that's not a major thing. We're talking about specifically, you know, let's say where you know you're buying it online, or so you're, using, you're using up the time of the associate, we're going to talk about that. But it's not just me, I go to... If you go to a mom and pop store, yeah, that's I, a problem. Like the guy, you know, what's your guy's... What's the guy you're, down you're the block? You're differentiating Ernie. that a small Ernie. business. What's the guy in your business? building? Yes, I am. Weasenthal. Weasenthal. You go to Weasenthal down the, you know. So that that's poor guy, you're going to you, you gonna go. say a small business doesn't matter, matters in a big business. No, I'm saying if you, let's, we'll apply these reasons. We'll see. Let's, well, I'll show you in a second. Okay, number, number, let's do, so C is Ginevatat. That means you're conveying a false impression. So if I walk into Best Buy, and I sit there with the associate, he's working on commission, and he, he's assuming that there's a chance I'm buying this product, so he's spending 20 minutes with me, and, then after, and meanwhile he's giving up all these other customers where he could be making commission, I plan on buying it on Amazon. So, so that's called Gnevatat. I'm, I'm conveying this false impression to this guy, 
where that I'm gonna I might there's a chance I might buy the product, or if I'm going to test drive the Maserati when I only make you know sixty thousand dollars a year. Okay, so there's no chance I'm getting that. I'm buying the Maserati. So again, I'm conveying the you know I come dressed up in a nice suit, so you should think I'm relevant because I want to try out the Maserati. So that's conveying a false impression. Okay, that would be a problem. Um, number. So then, so look at D, and then we'll, we'll get back to your question. Get back to your So D, two types of damage. So it's actually someone understands literal damage. By inquiring and not buying, one gives the impression to the other potential buyers that the item is not worth the price. So I come into Best Buy, I look at this laptop, I try it out, and then I you know, say, okay, I tell the salesman I don't want it. It's a guy standing right next to me, so he's saying, oh, why is, this guy doesn't want it. Why doesn't he want it? So he might think there's something wrong, you know, test it out. You didn't like where the keyboard works. But meanwhile, you plan on going on buying it online. That's a certain form of monetary damage there. So what yeah, you tell I mean, the guy next to you, go buy it online, is cheaper. No, no, wait a minute. No, what if you didn't know whether you wanted to buy it or not? That's fine. You made up your mind not to buy it. That's fine. You're allowed to do that. You're I'm still allowed to go shopping. the same impression. I'm allowed to go shopping. You're even allowed to go to different stores to check out the prices. There's nothing wrong with that. The question is when I'm walking into Best Buy, with the, when I know I'm buying it on Amazon, I just want to touch it before I buy it to make okay. sure I keep it. That's where we're saying it's an issue. I'm allowed to go into Best Buy and then Office Max and... 12 other stores to check it out to find the best price. You know, that, that's, that's no problem. We have no problem with you paying the cheapest price. The problem is when you walk into the store to try out the item knowing that you're not going to buy it. That's the issue. Let's turn it over. When you look online for something, every time you click on one of these websites of advertising, it's costing somebody money. Sometimes they pay a quarter click. That's, that's, that's they want you to come to their site. They like the clicks. They want you. <coughs> He's asking, I think, if you don't have an intention to buy. You don't have an intention to buy, you just want to click and, you know... Why are you clicking? Just yeah, to see what the product looks like. There's a lot better like. stuff to see online than the... Hmm? What, why are you clicking? <laughs> just to see what the product looks like. Um, what do you mean, just to see why? Oh, you could plan on you're going to Best Buy? What do you mean? So you're not planning to buy, you just want to see what the product looks like because you've heard about it. What? Uh, and so you click online to, uh, you know... Look at what the product looks like, but you're not going to buy one. So why why are you looking at the product? Because you plan on buying it somewhere I mean, else. Be, if like you plan on buying it, it might be the same issue. If you if you know you're buying it somewhere else, then but it might you don't be know you buy. Anyway, I don't think most no one charges per click. Most people are not paying per click. They, a, lot, they, a lot of the ads they charge per the click. Ad. Oh, okay, I don't know how that works. Got to pay per click. The ad pays yeah. per click. I don't buy it anymore, but I used to pay for something per click. That's the same thing. You know, you're costing the, the uh, advertiser money, and you. Not intending to buy. Okay, so if if you, if, I, as far as I know, most websites are free. If you know the guy's gonna pay for it, that I might think be if you're over sixty, you're forgiven for everything. <laughs> <laughs> you look bored, you click a little bit. So, so let's see. So he says um, um, number two is unnecessary burden and anguish to the seller. So that's what we were saying before. Is that uh, meaning you, you you know this poor guy is working on commission, or even if he's not. The point is you, you that's gonna see there's a difference. You're making the guy crazy. And then you don't plan on buying it, so you know this guy feels like he's not going to make a sale today. You come in the car salesman, he spends 45 minutes with you, you know, going on a test drive, and then at the end of the day, you're not going to buy. It. Okay, so so there's a number. The last one is that I found. The last um, interpretation is seller will be hurt when he realizes what happened. So that's just a, an emotional art. The guy knows you just came in. Many times people actually will go in, they walk at the Best Buy with their tablet, ready to buy the item. They just check it out and then they buy it. In Best Buy, while they're standing, seeing this at the at the counter, you know, in front of the in front of the the associate, they're buying it online. Right. <laughs> you got no problem. You're not embarrassed with it. You're doing it. Oh, that's what we're saying. Halakhically, it's a problem. Well, it's just not. It's not an ethical thing. Okay. So, so the practical differences between these applications, between these different uh, reasons, are a is purchasing the item online in front of store employees, as we say. So that would be only a violation, as we're saying, of D, D and E. It's unnecessary burden and anguish to the seller. The seller will be hurt when he realizes what happened. So that would be D and E. Asking a sales associate for help when you have no intent to buy in that store. Okay, so that's A and D. So by the way, in your case, someone mentioned before, let's say you come in, like I did in Ikea on my date. If you tell the person, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to buy. I just I plan on buying it online. Can I look at the items? Of course, that would be, not be a problem. If you say that up front, there's no problem with that because then well, there's no conveying a false impression that you plan on buying it. There's, there's nothing wrong. Same thing. Let's say you walk, you you want to check out J.C. Penney, so you tell the person, "So I'm just here to look at the items." 
they, you know, most cases, especially if it's an associate, that they're not making money, as you said, so they would have no problem with that. Like, it's right, just like... Rabbi, what McDonald's was Passover. Pass I went up and asked for the managers, can I eat here with all my stuff? So I get all of my Passover food and I eat at McDonald's without buying anything, I think. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. I asked for the manager before I sat down, bread and matzo, and all the stuff over McDonald's. <laughs> I just had this um, this past Sunday. This past Sunday, someone was in the airport here. I had, I had a meeting. He was flying through, and I met him at a hotel in the airport. So we went to the cafe, and, you know, they came there to serve us the waiter. I said, you know, I brought him bagels from the York Bagels, kosher. And I told him, I said, listen, we are kosher, so we're just going to eat here, but we're not ordering it. He said, fine. So, <laughs> look at me like I'm not. I just like that. Sometimes you just go to shop at Ikea, but we're not buying anything. I want to check you out. Well, they were just, he was just making sure that they had the store taste. I want to check taste. you out. The thing is, the rabbi... Yes, how'd you explain that afterwards? No. Right? I just want to check your taste. He didn't tell the whole story. Well, you know, he said he got rid of her. Well, yeah. The actuality, when, it, when, she took, when he told her that, she, yeah, she got rid of him. him. He's a smart man. <laughs> I thought we were going That's to dinner. Great. You're probably referring to <laughs> yeah, her. She said, we're going to go here for dinner. <laughs> that would be priceless. <laughs> they got that on YouTube, little picture. I'll pay for this and watch that on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Trying out the item, okay, number C. Trying, Trying out the item. With that intent to buy from that, from that store. So again, the same thing. That's a, that would be the problem of A and D. So those, depending on which reason you have it, there'd be different uh, reasons. So again, legally, there's clearly no problem with any of this, uh, according to American law. But we're saying, according to halacha, so you need to be careful when you clearly intend on buying something online. You need to, when you go into the store, you just got to let them know. So in your case, getting back to your case, David, with, uh, if you want to check out merchandise, again, I, I think, this is my opinion, I haven't spoken to anyone about it, I haven't confirmed this halachically, but in my opinion, when you have these huge retailers like JCPenney, Walmart, where, you know, it's more normal. People come in, they, they look around, and no one's expecting you. They're not expecting you always to buy something. Right? So I don't know if you have to say anything. I don't think you have to say anything in those cases. If they're working on commission and you're talking to an associate, you're spending his time, and, and so that's a little story. So along that line, thinking you were justified to take your day to Ikea. Right? Because I have no intention in JCP. It's a big retailer. Ikea is no different than JCP. Yeah, but I'm saying it's different here. It's furniture. It's large. It's bigger items. You know, people get excited when you come in. They can, can I help you? That's a problem. In most cases, like Walmart, they're brained. I mean, you couldn't. You, you could speak to the associate. They, they have no idea what's going on. They Any couldn't care if you buy it or yeah. not. Yeah. An associate in Walmart. Okay. In Walmart, the associate couldn't care less. They could buy it. They they're all brain dead. I'm just confused now because you New restaurant, by the way. It's a problem, but JCPenney, you're okay. I didn't say it's a problem. This girl said it's a problem. Oh. I never said it's a problem. <laughs> I never said it's a problem. <laughs> no, I'm saying that. I'm just saying it could be this whole thing when you're dealing with these huge retailers where they're not working on commission and they're not right. part of your sale. Like Walmart. The, everyone, every associate there is brain dead. They don't know what you're buying it or not. They couldn't care if you shoplifted it. Doesn't yeah. <laughs> it's irrelevant. That's what, that's, that's so they're not, there, they're not so, giving any him. Right, exactly. So they're not doing anything. You get what to, you pay to, for. To uh, that's what I think, is my opinion. In those situations, again, now getting actually, this is uh, what he mentioned before. This is a whole different question of if you're going to buy something with an intent to return it. That's a that's a different issue. It's stealing, um, yeah. I don't know if it's stealing, but it's but that that's a dumb other problem. In thing. my old days, I confessed my another one of my sins in yeshiva. So it was, you know, before the internet days, and so we went, you know, with no TVs in the dorm in Shiva. So, like, when we had a night off, we would go to Walmart, buy a TV VCR, and hook it up, and then watch movies all night, and then return in the morning. That's right. It's just clearly a pr it's prohibited. The, so the problem, before I was a rabbi. The problem is so, you're offending the associate. No, that's not offending. That's, that's still me. If you're you atoned for all this, you must be like... But the point is also that's literally stand. I mean, if you go, I mean, there's other places that have, let's say, Costco's known for their return policy, so they don't mind. You could tell them. They they told me this. You buy some of these places like LL Bean has online. They have this thing where you uh, you can return it for forever. So it's a you know how how far do you take them? I mean, you can get a hole six years later in your sweater from LL Bean. They'll you send them back. They'll send you a new sweater. Six well, years I have friends who got a new TV every year in college at Costco. They right, so Costco, yeah. Year, next year, take it back. And, and yeah, so Costco will do that. That's part of their thing. They, just, they, they say they return policies. The manufacturer. 
but, yeah. they, but that's that's why they charge you're paying for that yeah. when you when you yeah. become a member to have this awesome return policy. There's still a limit, obviously. So even let's say in LLB, and they, I know people do this. They have, you know, these people have eight kids, you know, and they hand me down one kid to the next. It's on their eighth kid, and it gets a hole, and they were sending it back to LLB. I don't think LLB meant if you know in that situation. You need to know. You know, for hand me down for you you're know, hoping, seven you're, families. You're hoping it creates a sale that all of a sudden you buy something with the intent that you're going to return it, and you never, do. You never return it, or you right. lose it, or so That's another else. thing. So many, many so retailers, so many retailers will say they want you in the store even if you're not going to buy anything. They'll say that today because they, and same thing with people on their websites, clicking on websites, because they're hoping that you'll see something else in the store, you might actually write. I'm coming in for, I'm buying my laptop on Amazon, I'm coming into Best Buy, but I might see something else. Or, or you buy the I might need a cable, there, right, I might need right, a cable. So else. they might want you to come to the store anyway. So you need to know the really the mindset of the retailer, because then this is irrelevant. I mean, if you bring a Starbucks in the middle of my shopping store, like, hey, like, I'm just... Right, so they want enough. you to walk in no matter what. Even if I would tell them, I'm not buying anything here, I'm getting everything on Amazon, I'm just coming in, they want you in the store because they'll, you'll find your phone case. You buy something else, you know, some chewing gum or whatever it is. So they you change your mind. Right, or you might see something else you like. It's a better product. So they get you, they want you in the store. That's why, by the way, they have this policy now of pick up in the store or price matching. I was meaning buy it online and pick it up in the store. So the store is not making money, but the point is that you'll come in, you're going to buy these accessories, etc. So you, so if that's the mindset of the retailer, then this whole thing is not applicable. You understand? But, but going in, let's say, where you, a small mom and pop store, like we're saying, looking at the merchandise because you want to know the pricing. So that could be a problem. Unless, like I said before, it's like the Norman industry. So like someone told me when I gave this class uh, a while back, for real estate people, they said that that's the norm. In real estate, if you're, you know, let's say you're an agent. So you need to know you're, you're selling a, a property in a certain neighborhood, a certain geographic location. You need to know what the other properties are going for around there to set your price. So you'll call neighboring properties and asking how much they're renting for square foot. That's the norm. So everyone knows that if that's the norm in the industry, so then it's, even though it's, it's not a problem of getting that, not conveying the false impression, they know this is another agent calls calls around. That's the normal thing that's done. Is there a separation between what we would do for business versus what someone would do personally? Hey, you're looking to shop for you versus hey, this. So is again, business. the only difference is if that's the norm of that industry. So then you could say people know about it. So then it doesn't because it's not an issue. But. Uh, um, I'm actually, by the way, so this is an example, perfect example. I got a call, and I'm actually uh, not embarrassing to say, saying a lot of embarrassing things to say. So they, they you know, they have these, um, these residents, these hotels at these timeshares they try to sell you. So you have to come for a 90-minute tour, and then they give you a free night or two free nights in the timeshare. Right. So, so let's say no, this, I know, I know, I'm not buying the timeshare. So can I go and stay in the hotel, knowing that there's no chance I'm buying the timeshare? I mean, again, I want the free night. Right, so this happened, I'm actually, yeah, I booked, I'm going mm -hmm. on actually next week, 24th and 25th, Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. I'm going to Hyatt, uh, Hyatt no, uh, Wild Oak Ranch in San Antonio, because I'm going on the 90 minute tour. So he gave, me, he gave me a good deal, I'm going for like 50 bucks a night, it says usually 20 bucks a night. To get two bed, you know, suite, two bedroom suite, they're giving it to me for say, whatever, 73 bucks. Instead of uh, 210 bucks a night, because I'm going on a 90 minute tour. Now, I know I'm not buying it. So, what, what would you say about that? I think, I think you're enduring their sales speech. You're entitled. <laughs> That's <to> pay. <laughs> you paid. You paid dearly for that, right. for that discount. 90 minutes. You don't have to buy one. Yeah, obviously not to buy one, but, I, but let's say I know I can't afford it. Well, first of all, they ask you, by the way, on the phone how much your income is they want to make yeah, sure that you're eligible. Yeah, but their intention is to get you to that meeting, and they're willing to give you something exactly. to that meeting. Right. So, so that's what I, so so I told, I spoke to the guy once about it. I said, listen, I know, on the phone, they call you, salesman. <laughs> I said, I know, I'm not gonna, there's no chance of buying it. Are you okay if I come in here? It's a problem. What's a 90-day tour you're talking about? 90-minute tour. Oh. To give you a 90-day tour. To give you a 90-day tour. I'll chew myself. Boy, for two nights? That's not enough money. That'll be the longest 90-minute tour in your life. I've done it before. I've done it before. Thank you very much. So so the point is, but the other thing is, you'd be surprised. I did this more than once. I do this every few years. We end up doing this. So my wife, the problem is if you go with your wife, there's a good chance you end up buying it, even if you don't want it. Because they're so good. I pay more for the hotel. So they're so good. The salespeople, the truth is, like, 
they pitch it so well that after nine minutes you're going, well, maybe we should. You know, you start talking, but never, thank God they never convinced But Gallery Furniture is the same way. It's all in the sales job to get you into the place. Right. And then once they get you in, right. they have so a they, high So even if you rate. tell them on the phone you don't want to buy, there's a good chance they, they're going to tell you come anyway because they think uh, they can sell it. Gallery Furniture paid 20 bucks to show up there. I'm glad they paid 20 to come to that show because they have such a high closing rate once they get you. Right, because salespeople are good. Well, it's no different than uh, a lot of car dealerships open free hot dogs and popcorn and everything else. Yeah, but that's people different. That's no, they why just, just come in. Come in. You and right, I. Or, or you some have no of them. Intention to buy a car. Right, some of the car companies have the test drive. They try to get you. <coughs> they give you 200 bucks to test drive the car. Somebody they give you coupons to, you know, Papa Joe's or something, 200 bucks, whatever it is, to come test drive the car. All so I know anything that someone's going to give me, I don't that's want. That's like your situation. Right, but so it's clearly they know that they're not going to, that they, they're saying, we, we know you don't want the car. We, we, we're so confident in our product, you come test drive it, there's a good chance, there's still a 3% chance you might buy it. So it's worth it for them to give away a freebie to get you into test drive their car or whatever the product is. So then in that case, obviously there's no, you're not fooling them. They know that you have no plans on buying it before you come in. But they're so convinced that their salespeople are so good that they're going to, get you to buy it, even if you don't want it. Well, I know they can't sell if you're not there. Right, exactly. So again, this uh, it was memory of Yonatan, then Yonatan on the free. Yonatan Svi, Mayor, Ben Ari. Who was Yonatan Svi, Mayor? Who was his name? Made up name? No. We ran out of kids' names after it was our first time. David. David Samuel took the best two that we had. David's what? David Samuel. Who was he then? Uh, David was uh, my grandfather, and Samuel was Karen's grandfather. So you have your name is David Zenden? Yeah. Shmuel. 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 Yeah. David and Shmuel. He always thought it was third. David Hamelach. Yeah, he thought that was his middle name. <laughs> so That's why? Like, <laughs> so why was three names? Why did you choose three names? It's a lot of names. Ask Karen. You had, to, you, read, you had to name him after everybody in the family, Rabbi, so nobody get their feelings hurt. He says that he doesn't uh, name them. But going back to your other deal, it's okay to lie to your wife because she won't buy Trump's all day. Trump, yeah. Trump, she won't buy Trump's all day, Torah, anything. Okay, Alan, don't say me. that. Don't uh, say that. You can call me. I'm just telling you, I'm giving you the out. It's definitely the... Right. Thank you, everyone, for coming. You're Thank welcome. Thank you, Rabbi. So tomorrow's Christmas party. Where? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow's Christmas party? Thanks. Thank you. No, it's a holiday. Okay. Holiday. Thanks. 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 If y'all don't have anything to do, y'all can meet us. Hey, invite every, is a rabbi invited? Well, they want, I mean, I don't look, my huh? beard's not long enough. He, he, my white he, beard's not long enough. Come. I want Santa. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have to pay for it? He doesn't have to pay. He's not going to eat. It's not kosher. My white beard. They want someone with a big white beard. For my drink. Oh. He can probably wrap a nice drink. He can, yeah, he can have liquor. Thank you.